rounding out our tiny tuna palooza is Emmy Award winner Eric Bauza, the voice of Buster Bunny in Tiny Toons Luniversity. So, of course, you realize this means podcasts. Are you ready, eager young space cadets? Meep, meep. Where's the kaboom? There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. Hello, I'm Jonathan Graves, your host, and if you're tiny or toony or just a little bit loony, then you've come to the right place. When something means podcast, it really means... There's something worth podcasting about in the Luniverse. And right now, Eric Bauza is in studio. So we have a lot to get through. Let's just get started. Eric, how are you? And welcome. Hiya, Toonsters. How's it going out there? And uh, this means podcast world. Uh, I'm doing good. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me back. This is like a long time coming, I know. And I'm, I apologize for my my absence throughout uh, all of this, all the goings on in the <laughs> Looney Tunes universe. There's no worries. Lots to, cover, lots to cover, but how are you? Well, well, I've been here talking about it. You've been out there making Looney Tune history, but I'm good. Yeah, just trying to keep up. I've, I've been very busy with the rest of the cast of Tiny Toons Luniversity and promoting that show, as well as everything going on. We had a cracked article come out that I was so fortunate enough to be a part of, and we broke down the top 100 Looney Tunes characters. If you haven't read that, highly recommend going checking that out. That's cool. There's so much to do, so much to see within Looney Tunes. So Tiny Tunes is making a resurgence. And after 33 years since its debut, it is now more popular than ever. Do you have any memories, like core memories, watching the classic series? Steven Spielberg presents Tiny Toon Adventures. Oh, man. Like uh, like in in other other, uh, uh, you know, conversations we've had. Many, many, <laughs> yeah. a million. This, this one, this is one of the rare ones that's recorded. So thank you for that. Uh, of course. You know, it was one of those go-to after-school joys of my life growing up as a kid that inspired me not only as an artist and actually I'm I'm glad I I might be going back to Canada next week. Uh, okay. For a for a high school. Uh, a high, not a high school reunion. I guess it's that time. It's it's like October. This is when they usually have them. But it's my high school's fiftieth uh, anniversary, and it's oh, gonna cool. be every time I go home. Of course, see the parents. But I always dig through all of my old crap, and uh, <laughs> I have a pile of drawings that I did of like Buster and Babs, and you know. Bugs and Daffy. I have a I have a drawing of nice. of Bugs with Buster. You know, like it was just one of those <laughs> things that, like, oh boy, I was so proud. Pencil crayon, everyone. I use pencil crayon. Wow. Uh, yeah, color is back. Yeah, it, it was one of those things that influenced me to draw, and it celebrated Looney Tunes. It was one of those. We were lucky enough to grow up in the in the nineties resurgence of Looney Tunes, which. It's just that was a that was like an unbeatable like stretch of time like from it really 89, was eighty nine all the way to like the early you know two thousands of course but it really was ninety two ninety three ninety four all the way to the release of Space Jam I'd say uh, and Tiny Toons was like right up there right at the top 
Yeah. Uh, oh my gosh. Was it Pl- Plucky Goes to Hollywood? Was that? Yes. The, <laughs> that was the one. That was like the one of like any time that was on. And I remember the first time seeing it, my mind was blown. Uh, kudos to, you know, the credited writers and directors on that one, uh, especially the designers. I believe uh, Bruce Tim storyboarded that entire thing. He did. Uh, if, he yeah. did. And I mean, yeah, it shows like the drawings and the caricatures are spectacular. Michael uh, Keaton is in there as Batman. Yes. Uh, it's just when wonderful. The anime, like I am. Uh, okay. I was going to say the holy grail for me of animation cells was owning Bugs and Mickey uh, in a cell from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And mission accomplished. Better let him have it, Bugs! Okay, Doc. Whatever you say is despair. Thank you. Ah, no! I should really cut up all my credit cards and bank cards. (laughs) I should never be allowed to any, like, any cell animation shop. But my new holy grail is to find an animation cell of like the Batmobile in Ooh. that in that episode. That yeah. scene where it revs up. Yeah. Like the animation of whoever did the the effects animation on that as well as right. like, you know, drawing vehicles has always been like one of those things I wish I could do well. Uh, <laughs> it can't ooh. be easy. It can't. That you know, like I think about the, the poor people that worked on Transformers. It's like imagine like drive with a ruler. You're like, oh god. But uh, yeah, there's something that was so amazing about that entire sequence where Hampton is parking the Batmobile and like this, like is the Batmobile. Of course, is uh, indestructible. So all the cars getting smashed aside, and then it uh, scoots up into. It hits the moon, right? And doesn't the it, moon turn into the bat signal? It does. That's the, the little like homage to Tim Burton's movie. Um, and, but yeah, and then Hampton has to like parallel park this thing, which he doesn't <laughs> even know the controls or I don't even think he can reach the steering wheel. Like it's so well, oblong it's, and it's weird. The, it's classic Looney Tunes where <laughs> you know it, it's a it's a throwback to when Bugs was in the uh, in the airplane where it's like oh yeah. Oh, uh, I wonder which button starts this thing. And it's like a wall of buttons. It's like <laughs> like one shot he could see out the window. And then it just for the sake of the joke, it cuts to like just an entire mechanism of like buttons and dials. And of course, he hits the right one off the top. It's but, that Bugs Bunny luck. Oh, of course. Rabbit. <laughs> he has two lucky rabbit's feet. Uh, but yeah, I loved uh, the restaurant scenes where, <laughs> oh my God, there, there are probably jokes in there you couldn't tell today, but, uh, you know, uh, but I just love uh, what, uh, Mike Tyson. Plucky was like, what would you like to order, sir? I'll have your Santa Fe fingerlings, please. Yeah, Santa Fe fingerlings. I think I'm not even sure. But yeah, it was like the best. I laugh at that. And then, of course, the Michael Keaton. Another Hollywood illusion shattered. Where the silhouette like of Batman completely does not match like how stubby they make Michael Keaton. Nope, and- not at all. Yeah, I'm. I'm just gonna say it now. Uh, for Comic Con next year, I'm just gonna get like the caricature of Michael Keaton on a shirt. Oh, uh, from that episode. Oh my God! Yeah, to own, a cell, <laughs> to own that cell, someone someone has that in their possession. Yes, and you need to track them down for yeah, yeah for sure. But but Tiny Toons was up there. Tiny Toons was up there. Of course, Animaniacs, Freakazoid, uh, anything in that 
that golden the I you know the '90s renaissance of uh, of 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 Looney Tunes for me again uh, was amazing, and uh, that's that's where we first uh, hear you know Jeff Bergman and of course yeah. Bob Bergen in their respected roles as uh, uh, Bugs and and Daffy and of course uh, Porky. Um, amazing, amazing talents. For you guys, anything, as long as I'm paid in advance. Incredible work uh, from those gentlemen taking over from Mel Blanc, who had just passed away, and including Noel Blanc himself even stepped in for a few cartoons. But yeah, the 90s was such a heyday of animation and of admiration for these characters that had been kind of lost to time because after the 60s they were no longer in theaters and then there was this weird like where are they going to be and they were somewhere released on uh laser disc <laughs> if you could find them and you know they became this rarity until they had this big syndication yep. on abc and then we had the saturday morning cartoons that we knew and loved in the 90s the, the, the bugs bunny and tweety show yeah. Oh man. So All many fun memories growing up. Light. This is it, the night and night. That was how I started Saturday. Yeah, I mean that was like the big <laughs> fanfare and you knew you're you're off to a good start and it was just like what was it? Was it half an hour or an hour? I think it was half an hour. Okay. God, yeah. I wish it were longer, but Well, now uh, it can be as long as you want in your own living room. Th- nothing was uh better to me as a kid than that opening and knowing what you're about to get into. I have such vivid memories of, of watching the Bugs Bunny and Tweety show. And, uh, you know, it's a story I love telling over and over again. It was just, I was so obsessed, uh, before the internet and before you could, <laughs> uh, add to cart those animation, those damn animation cells. I need to go to, I need to go to a 12 step program, uh, to rid myself of my obsession with animation cells. But, uh, it started for me with, I believe it was the Chuck Jones gallery back in the oh, day, wow. back in the day, because they were like doing those limited, those limited, you know, reproduction cells of, of like, What's Opera Doc and and uh, all the classics, uh, but they would they had them all in a catalog that was about the size of a TV guide, so you could see the cells, and they were even smaller inside the in the pages. You could see them clearly, but they wouldn't be big enough for you to like reproduce and not need to buy the cell. So right, I would right. buy. I, I would I send away for these. You know, I, there were two. They had one that was thicker, and then. I remember, God, I, I wish I knew where they were because uh, they were just so cool. Um, I remember just every page turn. I was like, okay, I'm going to draw that one. You know, I'm going to draw this one. And that's kind of like how I learned wow. how to draw. Yeah. And then there was like this really cheesy how to draw Bugs Bunny and Friends book. You could find it on <laughs> eBay. I searched the other day because I know I have mine still. Uh, and you could actually, I got to scan and post it. You could actually see an early drawing I did of Wiley e. Coyote. It's oh, awful. nice. And you can see my brother, <laughs> who is six years older than me, my brother, Alan, who is an amazing artist. He taught me how to draw, really. Uh, you see ha- him doing it, like, beside my ugly drawing of Wiley e. Coyote. And I was uh, slightly jealous. But, uh, but yeah, 
Since we're talking about the 90s, though, I wanted to bring up this glass that a friend of mine, uh, Jenny Lorenzo, friends of the podcast, got me from Seattle, and it's celebrating Bugs's 50th. Um, I had never seen this design before, but really? um, that was actually one of the that was uh, part of the resurgence because it was Bugs's 50th and they had all of this merchandise come out, all of this celebration. The WB stores went crazy and we also had video games. And the first video game I ever beat from start to finish was a Bugs Bunny 50th video game for the <laughs> NES. <laughs> That's amazing. I didn't know that they had a game specifically about his anniversary. That's great. They did. They did. It was so subliminal in its messaging that you would actually hop around as Bugs Bunny and collect WB emblems and they would turn into, <laughs> or sorry, you would collect carrots and they would turn into WB emblems. Yeah. <laughs> they got me how, early on. <laughs> I love how like just in your face they are about like just the self-advertising when yeah. it comes to Looney Tunes. And that's, again, you know, for all the Disney listeners out there, it's like you were born on one one side of the fence, like the WBHB side or the Disney side. And, you know, I love Disney. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but uh, I definitely fell on the other side of that fence. <laughs> but that that exact design of Bugs, I haven't seen the other characters in the tuxes, but oh. that specific design I just bought. Sorry, sorry, Warner Brothers intellectual property. I just bought a bootleg <laughs> version of that T-shirt online. <laughs> And I was like, wow, someone like, it's also the same, I'll have to forward it to you, but it's also the same website where I found like the, the nineties rectangle Hanna-Barbera logo of Betty Rubble that I have. Yeah. Uh, And I was like, and then I was like, oh, I like that. I wish they had all of the characters like this, but, uh. But yeah, there was a, a Bugs Bunny 50th and it's so bad. It's such a bootleg, <laughs> but it's the design. It is the design. The legit like, design. Okay. I'm afraid to wear it in, in direct sunlight or it'll just burn <laughs> off of my, like, it'll just, like, it'll just disappear. So you were talking about growing up, drawing these characters. So the Looney Tunes DNA was like in you really young. And one of the episodes that you got to voice Buster in was actually examining tune DNA and its impact on bones uh, with <laughs> alongside Wiley Coyote, who then comes up with this genius scheme to rid the tunes of their tuniness and their elasticity. <laughs> I just think that that was a really clever way to write that character. Yeah. I mean, again, the, the, these episodes compared to, the original series, which, you know, just two different very approaches and two different styles of storytelling oh, totally. and, and joke making, uh, you know, the the intent and the idea of just cartoons existing at all and, and what makes them special and, you know, what it means to these this class of cartoon characters to become their predecessors is still there. It's all still there. Those ingredients, the the core of what made the show so great to begin with, you know, is still there, but it's just the long play and, and just the, it just seems a bit like very intelligent and very like cleverly told. And that's all, all due to the writers and, and the showrunners, Nate and Aaron. Uh, yeah. And of course, Spielberg is still on the show, like as executive producer. And from what I know, sees and reads and watches everything that comes through. Uh, Can I've you talk seen- a bit? Yeah, I've seen artists like post, you know, quoted they they won't they won't show the actual email, but they'll quote the email (laughs) like saying, by the way, like Spielberg had this to say about your color choices. And it's like a quote from an email. And it's like, 
okay. Uh, <laughs> I watched Jaws every day as a kid and Tiny Toons, of course. I just never thought in a million years, you know, I would be working on this. Well, that reminds me. You, you, had, you had a really special audition uh, yes. to, to, like, learn that you got the role. Um, could you talk a bit about how that process happened? The original round of auditions that came out for this show. For me, as, you know, a male actor, of course, there's Buster, there's Plucky, there's Hampton. Uh, there really wasn't that much else. I believe the roles of uh, Bugs and Porky were always going to be cast with Jeff and Bob just out of sheer, like, respect to them as artists and, and what they sure. did in the first place. And a full circle moment for them. I'm sure, you know? Yeah. Great. Do not disturb that. And then, uh, and then they were just like, would you like to voice Daffy? That was actually the first role I got on the show was Daffy. Oh, great. Uh, <laughs> well, your Daffy so, is amazing. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Finally, someone said my name. I was dying over here in the corner waiting for someone to say, he's like Beetlejuice. You have to say Daffy three times. <laughs> Daffy juice, Daffy juice, it's showtime. Yeah. Uh, I'm the ghost with the mouse, babe. Yeah. Um, oh man, uh, I'm really hoping for that parody this month. Well, they did, they did uh, Daffy as Pennywise. You saw that right. shirt. Yeah, I mean, that yeah. exists. <laughs> Daffy wise. And for the WB100 celebration, you participated in Acme Fools, where you also voiced Pennywise, but as Sylvester. Do you want a balloon too, Georgie? I'm not supposed to take stuff from strangers. Oh, well, I'm Pennywise, the dancing clown. Yeah, much like the DuckTales reboot, the auditions coming through for Buster, Plucky, and Hampton were... The first thing in red bold letters was, we do not want voice matches to the original. We want familiar but different. Which to me is like a hat on a hat on a hat because it's like <laughs> the original audition for, for this guy, for Buster, was familiar but different. Right. We don't want bugs, but we want something reminiscent of bugs. Sure. Anytime you've ever seen that interview with Joe Alasky, it's on YouTube where they're like, well, how did you, because, I mean, this, the original Tiny Toons just blew up, right? To the mm -hmm. point where they were asking voice actors to be on the news uh, talking about this, which is great. Like, what we're doing now. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's crazy. Uh, there was, like, a reporter asking Joe Lasky, what did you do different uh, to change it from Daffy to Plucky? And it's classic Joe Lasky going, uh, well, uh, instead of talking with a frontal lisp, I just turned it sideways and it's a lateral lisp. And that is how I differentiate mine, my plucky from Daffy. Yeah, like it. it Brilliant. It, yeah, it was it was just so crazy to, to see how even that small change was definitely enough. Let me out of this torture chamber. It's Friday. I want to go home. Don Messick voicing Hampton. And you shall play one of the proud, the few, the underpaid. You are a green valet. But I don't know how to drive. It, it wasn't a stutter. There was no stutter. Uh, but uh, Hampton had a, uh, a stuffed nose. And I believe that is a uh, OG plucky. Like that was his affectation on his voice. And of course, the gritty raspiness of Buster that Charlie Adler and later John Kassir provided for Buster. 
you know, every time I do bugs, he kind of has that grit to him. But, uh, you know, and, and Buster's kind of like in that area, but just a little bit lighter, you know? Yeah. And I, again, Charlie is just such a force. He's such a force uh, watching anything that he does. He, he like Mel Blanc, one of probably the only other actors aside from Mel Blanc to me, sounds like he's bursting at the seams when he does his performances as Charlie. Because if you've ever seen or worked with him in person, it's that it is like that. You're there's like it's like you're in a wind tunnel, and he's like, you know, I can imagine what his how sweaty or how many t shirt changes must he have had for cow and chicken. <laughs> oh, you know, when he was doing this, and like, hey, what's up, cow? And like, oh, 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 red guy, you know, like, what the hell, like for four hours? Oh, command. Yes, please solve our earthly problems with your space smarts. Hmm. Let's see. The solution to all problems is yeah. puppets. Oh, puppets. Yes. What else? Uh, and make me the big cheese, of course. <laughs> No wonder he's so like svelte and skinny because all the fat <laughs> just pours out of his his glands because he's just pumping on all cylinders and um, yeah yeah it, and it he's currently cool. a voice coach yeah yeah and a voice director I work with him on a preschool show right now and uh, but yeah it's it was such a difficult task to kind of deliver what they wanted because all <laughs> I wanted to do was do my impressions of like. <laughs> of Joe Lasky and Don Messick. And that's all I kept submitting. I never auditioned for Buster. Wow. I never auditioned for Buster in the original. They went through several rounds of casting and I never submitted for Buster. I only wanted Plucky and Hampton and God, David Arrigo <laughs> Jr. You bastard. <laughs> You're so talented. We get it. He's you very talented. Both. What he did, <laughs> what he's done with those characters is genius. Good, good job. And they they couldn't have gone to uh, a nicer, more talented fellow. Uh, and then yeah, totally. I guess uh, somewhere in production, you know, it was, uh, you know, getting close to like crunch time, the area of time where they're like, okay, well, this is it. The cement's about to dry. You know, if you're going to make any kind of changes now, it's now or never. So uh, I just was told like, Hey, they, they're still not satisfied with, with, with the character buster. They're opening it up again to some auditioning and uh they asked me to audition again and this time i was like well well if i'm not gonna be plucky or a hampton or a bugs for that matter i guess he's not happy with just daffy uh i guess uh you, you know i'll give the, it my best shot and the little rabbit it was hard not to try to do something that was so close to charlie but at the same time I was like, well, I, I'm not going to just, Charlie's here, you know, like, I'm not going to imitate exactly, there's no way I could. I mean, again, I don't, I don't have the abdominal muscles uh, for it uh, or the biceps, <laughs> uh, but I, it was just like, if I were voicing Buster, like you could, it's more natural to my own voice than it is, uh, you know, than when I'm doing a Bugs Bunny impression or, or when I am playing Bugs Bunny. Uh it was kind of like, okay, if I were to do Buster with my natural voice and that rasp and that attitude, yeah. you know, still kind of like the happy-go-lucky kind of everyday guy. But, you know, he's he's got to have a little bit of 
pretty much how I feel about, like, Looney Tunes if I were ever to meet Bugs. Like, that nerd-out kind of quality, that obsessive behavior when it comes to these characters. I know everything about these characters. I, I've become these characters, and that's kind of like what Buster, if there's any one strand of DNA or one line connecting me and Buster is that we both just love the Looney Tunes legacy and want to do these guys proud. Exactly. And that's why I think your casting for Buster is perfect because you do bring that authenticity to it. And it's within that you exude Buster and coming from, you know, Looney Tunes cartoons where you are Bugs Bunny. I, I think that that actually helped with you finding Buster and knowing that Bugs is already inside you because I feel like Buster and Bugs are one of the same coin. And when you remove, you know, what makes Bugs Bugs and you bring in what makes Buster Buster, it was able to come out of you. And whenever I watch the show, I'm like, that is Buster. Like, you nailed it. And I don't hear Eric Bauza. I hear Buster Bunny. Oh, wow. That's so nice of you. I think that is like one of the true testaments to the casting here is that they do find the authentic personality behind the character. I think David exudes both Hampton and Plucky. Oh, you and... should read some of the texts that I get from David <laughs> or in a group chat. We have a Tiny Toons group chat. And I'm like, I go, man, that's I go every time he says something, <laughs> I go, I go. Classic plucky. I always say classic plucky. <laughs> I'm like, you are plucky. It's not even that you're trying to, or even like, I'm going to step into, it's like, he's plucky. It's Yeah, the casting great. director did a really good job of finding the, the tune within, if yes, you will. Yes. And I think that's what allowed for this new interpretation to, to feel so real, like to feel like cut from the same cloth as the original. Because that's what Spielberg wanted. Absolutely. And then for me, uh, I, I love each and every time I get to work on something that, uh, you know, we, we refer to as reboots or, or reimaginings, but, a, a in a long time, this, this, the art style for me on this show, it's like, you know, it's, it's weird. Cause you watch the original and clearly there's like several different studios working on episodes. They're yeah. not all, <laughs> they're not all done by the same person. And that's fine. You know, that's the variety. Just like the original Looney Tunes. It's like we had the Chuck Jones ones. We had the Clampett ones. You know, there's yeah. differences. But I just love how refined the art style is on this uh, show. And it's just taking the best of everything that we remember from the original. And it's just, this is just what it is, you know. And again, there's nuances and little differences even within this show. Uh, like any show, it starts off, you see where they started, and then it gets better as they go. Uh, but just the overall design, the overall aesthetic, uh, I feel they, they really nailed it. And I'm I'm always so excited to see what it's going to look like. And yeah. if, like this one for me is like, you know, Olympic judges, the German judge, 10, the French <laughs> judge, 10, 10s all across the board. It's got the gold. Watching it, the screening at Comic-Con was so refreshing and like it was it was just a bombastic splash of vibrant colors across the screen and the characters just leapt off like it felt like they were jumping around in the theater with us. Um, yeah. And one of the things that I've mentioned 
already is that it was such an honor and and privilege to sit in front of the entire cast while you guys were giggling behind me. <laughs> and I, I just embraced that experience and I, I'm never going to forget it. So thank you for that. Oh, and you're, part also... of the, you're part of the Warner Brothers family. <laughs> if, you, if, you haven't, if you haven't already gotten that, uh, if you haven't opened the envelope, the invitation. <laughs> I'm just waiting on my leather jacket. <laughs> I know. Yeah, so am I, Doc. I, uh... <laughs> it's like, eh. I think one of the sleeves came in. That's about it. There you go. But we did bring up Charlie Adler. I also wanted to bring up John Kessier. Uh, he yes. was the other voice of Buster uh, back in the 90s. And he was also the voice of the Crypt Keeper from Tales from the Crypt, which is a show that I loved growing up as and, well. Uh, and Looney Tunes show, he was Pete Puma. Oh, yeah. He was Pete Puma in Looney Tunes show. I remember recording with uh, him. I was Marvin, and I, I guess it was like who was it was like a strange trio. Was it Daffy, <laughs> Marvin, and and Pete Puma Pete? or Pete Puma? <laughs> yeah, it was like they they had such a they had like a bowling team or something. I don't know, but yeah, there's one episode where we're all bowling together, and I was like, this is the weirdest thing. How thoughtful! Thanks, Daffy. I took a twenty out of your wallet. Daffy, you're the best. We couldn't ask for a more generous team captain. There's more where that came from. There's more where that came from, right? I hope no one confused Marvin's head for a bowling ball. Well, that's what I always thought. It was a bowling ball with a Spartan helmet. You know, he's he's one he's one whole shy of being a bowling ball on his face. <laughs> he doesn't have a mouth. But uh, yeah, John is another legendary actor, and I've worked with him many times, and we're buddies. And gosh, you know, it's it's really insane to think that uh these gigantic acts to follow between charlie and john and, <laughs> and then me you know uh, oh boy it's like oh, you yeah, fit I, right in i always say that i'm the song that you play at a bar when people want you want people to go home you know <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh here comes bowser and it's like the lights turn on and you're like ah. <laughs> okay i gotta get out of here you know uh no i'm just kidding that's the canadian in me saying that but uh but yeah, it, it it truly is an honor. Um, if I haven't already made that apparent, uh, it really is another one of those jobs or uh, opportunities or gigs or whatever you want to call it that I've that I've had in my lucky you know it's almost over twenty years now uh, a stretch working in this industry. What are the, like? I mean. I don't know. I, I just feel like at this point, I don't even know what's coming next. But uh, I, if I got hit by a bus tomorrow, I'd be like, great. I did it all. I'm fine. I, I'm out of here. I, I would just be like, I would just be like, oh, damn, I missed a Freakazoid reboot. That's the only thing I would regret is not seeing another version of uh, Paul, Paul Rugg as Freakazoid. Because I think. Man, if there was one show that you could ever give back to two people, let it be Tom Ruger and Paul Rugg to do a Freakazoid yeah. reboot. I actually oh, talked to Paul like two years ago, like about like having the idea of getting Freakazoid rebooted just on social media, just oh. having him just having him interrupt people's TikToks or having him <laughs> having animators like animate over popular TikToks. Yeah. Where he's like doing a dance or he's not, not even saying anything. He just has to be there. And like, what better character than, you know, Dexter Douglas, nerd computer ace was surfing <laughs> on the internet and was zapped in cyberspace. You know, come on. Like, he lives there. Yeah. yeah. That's where he was yeah. born. 
So why not have him just kind of screw around and mess around with people's social media feeds and like just start there and then yeah. get then do the show. But if I don't know, I had that idea. But no one listens to me. No one cares about my bright idea. My million dollar ideas. Yeah. They should really listen to you. I would die if Freakazoid did the Bugs Bunny challenge on social media. I think that would take off. I'm just saying. There's so much you can do. There Paul really would just is. have to sit there's at so home and dances. make fun of this video, Paul. It's like Beavis and Butthead when they watch the music videos. Yeah. You could yeah. just have him or doing like Mystery a duet. Mystery Science Theater 3000 it. <laughs> yeah, or doing a duet with Freakazoid or the Lobe or any one of those characters, like have them just do something with them. And even if it's just on social media for now, what if what if it were just a campaign or I don't know, it would be a great thing to revisit. And I, I'm sure I'm so happy when uh, he was on the Teen Titans Go episode. And did yeah. you see that one? I did. So yeah, good. I had to so look good. it up. Um, definitely. And also Beetlejuice was on there, which is a property I want rebooted by WB. They have it. They have all of it. I don't understand why it's not an animated series again, because <laughs> it was so good. You know, oddly enough. Yeah. And it's, uh, if you read the facts on that show, it was, I think the only show at the time to be on three different channels at the same time. Yeah. ABC, Fox, and it was somewhere else. It was, I think it was Nickelodeon. Maybe. Yeah, it was just, it was one of the most popular and highly rated shows that, like, uh, again, oddly enough, it always comes back to the, how morbid it was. It's like a kid playing with a ghost, <laughs> like a dead guy. Yeah. <laughs> and he was always in the, the nether, the netherworld, right? The What's uh, not to love? <laughs> sandworms and uh, armpit farts. Uh, it's the pits. Yeah, I mean, like. It's it's crazy. And another, it was a Canadian co-production. Uh, right. You know, uh, it was one of the, the, the things that we did uh, on Retro Kid. One of my f most proudest moments was uh, designing that Beetlejuice hoodie where uh, I, I wanted the face that gets squished into the rectangle. In the beginning of the show, he squishes his face and then it becomes the Beetlejuice logo for whatever reason. Right. Uh, I just wanted that face across the chest of a hoodie. But yeah, it was really strange because we had model sheets from the show and I wanted to use those so desperately because they were just the perfect designs, but we weren't allowed to use them. Mm. Uh, just mainly images from the show or imagery from the show. But also the model sheets had a Geff property of Geffen on them. Oh, interesting. Like, so that's the production yeah. company that did the movie. Yeah. So Geffen at some point still had and had obtained the rights for Beetlejuice, even though it was now part of the Warner Brothers library. Yeah. Uh, but it, it might have been one of the reasons why we couldn't use those specific model sheets, because it was just pre-production stuff as opposed to here's just the final product. Use these. But yeah, interesting. Very interesting stuff. Totally. Well, you've already answered some of my questions ahead of them, so I'm not going to ask them because we would be retreading those what exact happens, same answers. What happens when you invite a rambler on your show? <laughs> it's all good. Um, I have others. So Buster is looking for a mentor in Extra So Extra and believes the assigned teacher is going to be Bugs Bunny, but the rug is pulled out from under him and it is revealed to be 
number, I believe, 79th on our list of top 100 characters over on Cracked, Merlin the Magic Mouse. Now, is that a chronological order? Like, he's like, we're running out of characters. (laughs) What character are we at? 78. So that's 79. (laughs) Better be good. Actually, it's a bit of contention online. Uh, People want Cool Cat to be ahead of Merlin. I don't know why, but there you go. Uh, some Looney Tune controversy for you. Um, <laughs> but who was your mentor as far as like voice acting goes? And what lessons did they instill in you as an actor? I mean, uh, of course, Mel Blanc will always be the crowning jewel, I think, for most voiceover artists. Totally. Uh, and, and June Foray, of course. Incredible uh, legacy. But for me, yeah, I, I, again, the, for me, the most influential uh, voiceover artist for me growing up in my time was was getting to study and enjoy the works of Billy West. Bender, it's us, your friends. You can drop the hillbilly moron act. Sorry, mister, but I'm no Bender. I'm just a simple farmer. Name's Billy West. <laughs> <laughs> Billy West? What a stupid, phony, made-up name. Uh, he was, you know... Ren and Stimpy, the Red M and M, everyone but Bender on Futurama, uh, and uh, I mean, of course, uh, Phil Lamar was on the show, and uh, uh, Lauren Tom, but and Katie Seagal, but uh, yeah, Billy West to me has always been uh, like Mel Blanc in a sense, not because he's done the Looney Tunes characters, but because he's created so many original characters of his own, like Mel Blanc that he is forever for me the modern day mel blank because he is an original like he is you know i i've had a great career doing voice matches but i mean i look at a career like him or like even jeff bennett who uh has done marquee characters but can also be a utility guy that's the other thing yeah you just throw him in there and he will do anything like you ask him and more or give you an idea that you never thought of. And on top of it all is how funny, you know, Billy West is or Jeff Bennett. I, I, I put them like in the same stratosphere and then Jim totally. Cummings, of course, and the Jess Harnells and the Rob Paulsons. But uh, the one thing that I, I remember uh, I had, I had a panel in Toronto Expo uh, fan expo a few years back. And I had invited uh, Carolina Ravasa. I invited Rob Paulson, and I had invited Billy West to be guests on my panel. Uh, and it was a great panel. That's a good I panel. Have, I have I have it recorded somewhere, some of it. Uh, I made them all sing a uh, uh, a verse of uh, Drake song "Hotline Bling," which was fine. Uh, <laughs> I, I remember the, clips of this actually. <laughs> whatever characters they want, because we were in Toronto, uh, and. Uh, the one piece of advice that like he kind of shared with myself and the rest of the audience was it was like, you, you can't really teach instinct, Mm. uh, which is amazing. You could study forever, like the voice, uh, all the characters. And it's so true because uh, aside from Bugs Bunny, I also am the voice match for uh, Antonio Banderas for Puss in Boots. And that's exactly the 101% the basis of my interpretation of Puss in Boots is the unpredictability, not the accent, but the Mm. unpredictability of Antonio's performance of Puss in Boots, which is why he will always forever own that character. No one else could really play that character, but him because I swear to God, Oh my God. It's just amazing. It's just, you hear the joy 
and the how unlimited he is as a performer in that role. It's the most like I like <laughs> if you were like <laughs> if he were Google Maps or or Waze, he'd go, "Okay, you're going to turn left now, turn right." Another right and a left, you know, like it's, there's, there's, there's just no way, there's no straight line to get to wherever you need to go. It's like two lefts and a right, or is that two rights and a left? Or maybe you go down the, sh- the middle and then turn back. Yeah, it's like, it's If so, Waze hasn't like, hired Antonio Banderas or you, they need to. <laughs> I did a, uh, you know, the sleep app, you know, like yeah, the, yeah, yeah. It, it tells you stories. The calm. Oh, okay, the story. Yeah, calm, calm, yeah. yeah. My little pequeños, it is time for bed. You are listening to me, <laughs> Push and Boots. Yeah, like I, I swear <laughs> to God, like I did that, and they're like, "This is great." <laughs> I think uh, uh, Mick Wingert also did one as Poe for uh, Oh, for nice. Kung Fu Panda. Can you yeah. imagine? All right, little kitty skadoosh, it's time for bed. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, having some noodles and dumplings. Yeah, uh, Antonio yeah. is so ingrained in Puss in Boots that whenever I actually watch the new Indiana Jones and he shows yeah. up, I'm like, is he just doing Puss in Boots in yeah. this? Indy! <laughs> Indiana Jones! How are you? <laughs> We're going to a scuba dive now. Yeah, it's like, it's like kind of insane. Would you like some leche? Yeah, I'm like, there is some gazpacho downstairs. Yeah, uh, like... I'm like, wow! It just—he's just become Puss in Boots. It's like, having, like the miss—the biggest miss opportunity was to have him in Cats, the uh, the oh, uh, yes. theatrical musical. Can you can you imagine? Yeah. I'm a stubby tubby, yeah, the <laughs> leche whisperer, yeah. I know them it all. Worked. I've, it I've done I've done so many sessions. Thank you, Antonio. Thank you. Uh, Thank you, sir. Uh, I've done. I've had the pleasure and luck of doing so many sessions as that character. And uh, again, every time I do it, I have to watch the one, the two videos now of him behind the microphone. And I swear to God, it's the most genius thing. They're like, "Here are all your catchphrases. Just read them for us. Thanks." If you could do two to three takes per per catchphrase, that's great. And none of them are the same as wow. the last. And he goes through it like it's like nothing. You like it's like Swiss cheese. Like it's like whole. Like it's, like it's nothing. And, and uh, it, it's the most. I'll, I'll still never be able to match how unpredictable he is. Where he wants to whisper and do something like this, and then get really big like that. You know, like <laughs> it's it's so crazy. It's so crazy. Bringing it back to Billy West, though. How do you teach instinct? There's there's nothing yeah. you could do. Billy West was not a trained actor, but he is the funniest guy. Like the funniest guy, the bet, like, uh, you know, of course we, we know him as Stimpy doing a Larry fine impression, but you think about the stooges and like, and Jim Carrier, Mike Myers, it's like this language that they have. And, and Billy has that natural ability. Yeah. No matter what character he's doing just to make it like, okay, that's the take, you know, there's nothing. There's no other perfect way to read it other than how you just did it, and it's an instant catchphrase that goes on T-shirts and sells millions of dollars. Like he has that gift of like, you know, like like when he does his Nixon impression or uh, just just anything he does, like how he talks about Zoidberg, you know, like when he breaks down that voice, and it's just stuff that has naturally influenced him as an actor, 
But for whatever reason, his experience with that comes through in the performance. And you're just like, damn, I would have never have guessed that's how you would have read it. And it's like, that's what sets him aside from everybody else. I think it comes also from improv and having a background, like a strong background in that. So in radio with Howard Stern. And radio. Yeah. My God. Like that talk about talk about the school of hard knocks. You yeah. know, like uh waking up at like probably like five in the morning, uh, and having to sweat through five to ten or whatever, however long they were on the air in the morning, and just come up with bits and write bits feed them to Howard. That's why if you've ever watched that show, they're like all on their computers. It's because they're all writing stuff to each other during the show. Like they're all like sending each other stuff and, you know, setting each other up. And, you know, of course the amazing sound effects on the show is more morning, morning radio is always good for that, but yeah. Bing bong, cuckoo, (laughs) you know, like, it's like, Oh God. I love when the Simpsons do it. Has anyone invited you to a morning show? Oh, yeah. Plenty, plenty of times. I've done Big Boys Neighborhood. I've done them all and mo- most of them all at Q-, Q Rock and all that stuff. And I've actually been asked to submit a demo reel for Stern recently. They contacted oh, nice. Me. They contacted me and they're like, oh, celebrity impressions. And I'm like, oh, God, I don't know if I'm ready. I don't know. They, <laughs> they already have like uh, Piot Michael and then uh, Matthew, Matthew Friend on there. So I'm, I think they got their bases covered. But yeah, it's it's so cool to, uh, but I don't know if they've done a Jeff Bridges on the show, man. They haven't done Jeff Bridges on Stern yet, man. You know, uh, I could do that. Uh, you could kill that. Yeah. Or of course, uh, you know, I was on Office Hours recently as Richard Dreyfus, uh, but not not the young Richard Dreyfus, the older, uh, older Republican <laughs> Richard Dreyfus, not the. Uh, Cock a doodle doo, Bob. You know, uh, <laughs> get up, get up, Bob. Get out of my house. Yeah, yeah. Morning radio would be fun to do, I'm sure. Man, Richard Dreyfus had such a a unique career, and uh, and uh, yeah. I miss I miss his performances. Of course, he just took me took me right back. One of my all time favorite Richard Dreyfus movies, not Stakeout, not. <laughs> <laughs> Not another stakeout, but a, a movie called Let It Ride, if you've ever seen that movie. Oh, I haven't. Oh, my God. Ooh, you're, I have a new Richard Dreyfuss movie. You're it? Okay, let me tell you, my friend. <laughs> and I tell you this because I like you, and, uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to hog it all for myself. <laughs> but, you know, I always say Daffy Duck <laughs> is Richard Dreyfuss with a lisp. Listen, my friend, I, I'm not going to be a hot meal for Thumb Shark, you know. All this shark wants to do is swim around, eat people, and make little baby sharks. Yeah, uh, but let it ride. Let it ride is about this like <laughs> this schlub of a husband. He's married to Terry Gar in the movie, uh, oh. and he can't get away from gambling. And he's the the entire movie is spent at this uh, horse racetrack. Okay, he's, he's betting on horses the whole time. And it's the, I don't know, it's, I, I, it was on like HBO or Showtime once in the last year. And like, I I hit record, like right when it started and I was like, yes, I have this forever. Cause I haven't been able to find it on DVD. I'm sure it's out there. Yeah. But it is, it is like, 
It's like Richard Dreyfus 101. It's like the most Richard Dreyfus. <laughs> I told you to bet on that horse. Yeah, like, <laughs> like it's the most Richard Dreyfus. I told you I would win, right? Uh, I need that money. I'm going to put the money in my shoe. I need to track uh, that down. Yeah. And that way you can't get it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's, I say, go for it. It's so good. So bringing it back to Tiny Tunes real quick, I asked Ashley this question of Babs. So I'm going to ask you this of Buster. What do you think Buster's favorite childhood game to play with the family growing up on the rabbit farm was? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, <laughs> that's a pretty good one. I don't know. I mean, uh, there are so many family members. <laughs> I I don't know if it's board games or... What what could they possibly play on the farm? Hers was charades. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's that sounds like a good game because they're all, especially between Buster and Babs, they're a bit of like they're entertainers, maybe Pictionary. I was thinking of like either, uh, <laughs> maybe they host like like a uh, an actual family version of Clue, like they're actually <laughs> acting out like a maybe they're acting out like a murder mystery dinner or something. I don't know. Oh wow. Uh, but yeah, I mean, but they're also on the farm, so maybe they just like spending time outside. But uh, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I, I think yeah, anything that would entertain they, anything that would involve them entertaining the entire family as a as a comedy duo, I think we'll go with. Yeah, I think that's a good answer, and they are definitely the showman type, uh, especially their duo. You know, show stopping number. I'd hate to follow my outstanding performance. where they get to put on a show together and it really, you know, brings out the best of everyone's traits and like what they want out of being a tune. I think it really showcases that really well. And, and everybody gets to have their moment. Um, Babs being a director was yeah. a really shocking one, but I, I love that choice. I'm very uh, happy that, uh, you know, the, the response of the show was, has been a good one so far, you know, like a live, a lot of people, of course, whenever the, whenever the, the, the first uh, headline comes out, we're bringing this back. And it's like, no, you know, like people just hate it. They find every reason they hate it. And then it comes out and then they're like, oh, I still want to hate it. And then they watch it and they're like, damn it, I can't hate it. It's good. I'm like, oh, whew, you know, uh, I don't know if I've ever really cared about that with with anything because it's like it's going to be loved it's going to be hated whatever but like with this one i was just i was really paying attention to see what they would say <laughs> <laughs> and it's like whoo you know not not bad and if they don't yeah. say anything at all then then you know that's fine that's even better actually it's fine you know i've seen a lot of like, positive praise uh thrown to the cast and thrown to the creators of this uh nate and uh, aaron and um yeah i think it's well deserved so kudos to the team uh, one last uh, uh, question yeah. while I have you is, yes, Eric, as yourself, if you were enrolled into Acme Lou, what course or courses would you want to enroll in? And they may or may not already exist. Cream pie uh, throwing. That's, the, that's my <laughs> class. Uh, anything that involves dessert and a food fight. Uh, have yeah. you ever been hit by I a cream know. pie? Uh, I haven't, but I have been in a food fight before. Okay. Uh, but no pies were thrown. Um, Damn. Yeah, there's something about cartoon food to me that's always looked delicious. I remember watching uh, 
you know, first of all, they always have to pick off a pile of endless food because it's a held frame. Like it's either yeah. a, a a painted background of ribs or chicken, and they always <laughs> cartoons always grab it, take one bite, and throw it behind them. I don't know why <laughs> they're such wasteful people. Uh, nothing pleases me the, more than watching uh, Goofy or Donald eat corn on the cob, uh, or any car- <laughs> any cartoon character will eat corn on the cob like a typewriter. Of course, oh yes, uh, and that's that that's a joke that's already been dated. It's not even like. You could eat corn in a cob like like an iPhone because no one gets it. There's no there's no connection there. But a typewriter, yes. Uh, uh, and yeah, uh, I, my goal eventually is to open up a Miyazaki restaurant where any any time any time they've ever and I'm sure it exists somewhere, but uh, replicating food uh, that you've ever seen in any Miyazaki film because uh, it always looks delicious. Now I have a pitch for you. How about that? But Tom and Jerry food, because Tom and Jerry food oh. always looks incredible. <laughs> and it it's uh, like this any... weird uncanny valley of like, is it real? Is it cartoon? I don't know. But it's well, delicious. the paintings, the paintings are always good. Uh, the, the sound effects of, you know, Jerry or Tom swallowing something like, oh, like they have like, this, it's like an eight, an eight tone, like sound effect where it's like, oh, like it's like this, this gulp. <laughs> Where it's the most satisfying gulp I've ever heard. I wonder who the voice actor was. If they're like, okay, drink another gallon of water. We're we're recording uh, in like the 1920s, yeah, uh, or the 30s. But yeah, um, the food, whenever it was painted, and especially you know, harkening back to the scene in Roger Rabbit where it goes from the cartoon to the live action where the refrigerator door opens, yeah, and you see that chicken and the cheese and the the you know. The, like the the ham steak with the the bone in the center <laughs> or like the t-bone steak whoever painted any one of those tom and jerry uh you know either it was like a long dining room table full of food norman rockwell style or anytime a fridge opened in that cartoon <laughs> it was just filled whoever wh- whoever was living in that house was making bank because they're yeah. like from like top to bottom if you look at my fridge, it's like half a head of lettuce, <laughs> maybe maybe a Red Bull or two. Maybe some peas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely a pizza box from two weeks ago. Uh, you know, eggs, old eggs. Uh, yeah, it's uh, uh, <laughs> one pickle in a pickle jar. It's like reminding you to buy pickles because you're almost out. Uh, but yeah, cartoon food. Anything with cartoon food, I'm in. And I, I'm probably going to get like hundred percent in that class. Well, now that everyone's starving, (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to wrap it up here. Um, Eric, again, thank you so much for being on here. Um, I just wanted to mention that October is national Filipino American history month. So be sure to support that. And you can currently see Eric pretty much everywhere. Uh, Crepopolis on Hulu, uh, Kiff on Disney Plus, Pupstruction on Disney Plus, Star Trek Lower Decks on Paramount Plus, Rock, Paper, Scissors on Nickelodeon, Adventure Time, Fiona and Cake on Max, and soon to be Invincible Season 2 on Amazon. Oh, yes. I went down and I was like, is he on every streaming platform? He is. You are. Uh... <laughs> Bob, Bob's Burgers. I'm also on Bob's Burgers now. I forgot to say that. Nice, um, nice. Yeah, I uh, I play uh, Big Bob. I'm Bob's dad on that show. And, uh, <laughs> his nemesis who works across the streets. He's always like zinging Bob. Hey, how's it going, Bob? I hope your business goes down in flames. That's a Zoom. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, congratulations on all of this. Uh, you know, it just piles on. And I love the fact that people are coming to you for this because you are, you know, one of the modern great voice actors we have. So congratulations. And also, I haven't had you on since you won the Emmy. And I wanted to say congratulations oh. on the Emmy. You won it for Bugs Bunny. And uh, Looney Tunes fun. cartoons, uh, where you did the voice of Tweety and Marvin and Daffy, of course. And yeah, I mean, it's just a wonderful, you know, thing that you're a part of this. I always say, and thank you so much for the kind words and your time. But I always say, uh, you know, oh, how'd that feel? Like winning the Emmy, I'm like... In my mind, I'm still sitting there listening to Mark Hamill say his thank you speech on stage or or Gray Delisle or Tom Kenny or Frank Welker, for that matter. Yeah. Like uh, like when they put our all of our photos up there, I was like, uh, one of these guys is parking cars tonight. The other <laughs> the other the other guys are legendary actors and, and, and girl, you know. And that's the, another thing I was going to say is like anytime I've ever been involved with these, you know, uh, and this will be the last Emmys I'm sure I'm invited to once people hear it. It's always like unfortunate that they have like four dudes and like one woman. And it's like, they've managed to separate the kids from the adults into their own categories. Yeah. Cause we used to be up against like, it's like you versus an 11 year old girl. And it's like, you know, <laughs> talent is talent. Don't get me wrong. It is what it is, but they've managed to do young, young performers now in their own category. I would love to see, a day where the voice actresses get their own category from the actors. Cause I think about every year that passes and I'm like, you know, there could have been like, there's don't tell me that there's not enough like female talent out there to like, there totally you know, is yeah. just to fill an entire category. I mean, there's plenty. So anyways, that's the last time I'll be invited to the Emmys. And, uh, <laughs> how dare you tell us how to Emmy? It was a memorable one that you went out on, so it will be remembered forever. Hey, it, was the, the, it was the first kids and family, I, I call it the friends and family discount Emmys. It was the... <laughs> It was oh who was I talking to? It was I met someone at uh, this premiere party the other day, and they're five time Emmy winner, Filipina producer. Ooh, and she's like, yeah, that's the daytime Emmys, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, we're we're at the children's dinner table <laughs> Emmys now. We have our own small part of the Emmys. Uh, you're you're hey. too humble. It all counts. It all counts. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Well, sure. Eric, where can people find you online? Uh, at Bowzilla, B-A-U-Z-I-L-L-A. That goes for Instagram, X Twitter, and uh, Zwitter, and uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, TikTok. But I'm I'm hardly ever there. Bowzilla, as you crumble and step on all of the other competition in the VO world. <laughs> Saying sorry the entire time. <laughs> um, and you can follow the podcast over at, well, if you're watching this, then you're on YouTube and subscribe. And if you're not, then you're listening to us over on Apple, iTunes, or Spotify, or a number of other places where you download podcasts. So you can check out us over at This Means Podcast on Instagram and Facebook, or OFC This Means Pod on X was Twitter. And we are everywhere. So just search us out and spread the word because Looney Tunes need your love more than ever, it seems. What are you talking about? <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> Of course you realize this means podcast. Exactly. <laughs> Take care, everybody. And remember, that's not all, folks. <laughs>